This, this is a Mila production. Welcome back to a brand new week of the Boredom Project podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Smythe McCauley, and we've got a great group of people joining us on the podcast this week. But to kick it off, I had to bring my boy back, my boy E. Higgy, Elijah Higgins. We went to high school together, played football, and now he's over at Stanford doing big things, plays receiver. I don't know what he's studying yet, but we'll get into that. Um, but, you know, had to bring him on the show, so we're excited for him today talk a little bit about Pac-12 football and uh, everything that's going on. So welcome, my boy E. Higgs, to the show. What's going on, man? Appreciate you, Josh. For sure, man. How's everything been? How's it going? How's uh, Cali? Everything's good, bro. They got us out here working out and, uh, you know, doing what we can right now, you know, with the with the guidelines and all the safety precautions. So, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you just said you're at a hotel. They got y'all in a hotel. It's the football team and, and some other teams as well over there. What's that like? Yeah, they got us. I mean, it's cool. I mean, we don't really get to, like, see each other or anything, so we're all kind of cooped up in our own rooms. But we're working out uh, once a day, coming back to the hotel, and then do whatever you want to do in the hotel room. So, Dang. How was your first year at Stanford? I, mean, I don't think we ever really talked about that. I mean, you just finished. You did the first season, first school year. Y'all on, like, a trimester system or something like that. How was it? How was that transition? It was it was good. I mean, I definitely grew a lot, changed a lot. For sure. Uh, tough growing process for a couple of months. Um, you got a lot thrown at, thrown at you, you know, with the intensity of school, intensity of football. Um, and then you're just surrounded by, like, a completely different people than you're used to being around. So it was a big transition, but I'm glad I had to get – I'm glad I went through it. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was a struggle, though, for a little bit. For sure. What was it like being away from home? Well, I guess not necessarily away from home. Your family moved to California with you, technically. They're, like, yep. what, two hours out from Stanford now. But still, it's I nice. mean, moving from, from Austin, Texas to, so what is it, Palo Alto, California. Yeah. Was that, what was That's that That's like? dope. It's dope. I mean, uh, it's definitely a change of scenery, change of culture. Things are a lot different, you know, specifically at Stanford. Um, I was still away from home. Didn't really see my parents too much, but just the culture shock is definitely legit. It was something that I did not know what I was getting myself into, even though I thought I did. Yeah, no, it's always different. Like, it's never what you think it's going to be when you get exactly. there. And it pretty much, I feel like we all go through it. I definitely got slapped in the face freshman year. <laughs> it was crazy, man. But what was, so you were... When you were getting recruited, you were getting recruited heavily by a lot of teams, like a lot of uh, bigger schools, you know, like Ohio State, UT, Florida, um, et cetera, yeah. just to name a few. Well, what was that whole process like, you know, being a four-star recruit, having a lot of coaches coming at you, um, talking to you about the process and, and, you know, what their schools have to offer and everything? Like, what were some of the challenges that you faced and then some of the things that you enjoyed about it, too? Yeah, uh, it was dope. It was definitely unexpected. Kind of all hit me at once. Um, but it was really cool, you know, to get the recognition for, uh, you know, God-given abilities as, as well as, you know, hard work and everything like that. But, um, no, nah, it was dope. I mean, you know, you get the recognition. Uh, you have the choice to play, you know, these top-level programs and whatnot and meet all these interesting people that, you know, you hear about on the news or hear about on ESPN and whatnot and get to see, you know, the behind the scenes of it all um, and get to be involved in the recruiting deal. Uh, but there, I think there came a point where it got pretty overwhelming, 
especially, you know, with, uh, you know, seeing people around, people always bug, bugging you about that. You know, those are a lot of the conversations that you had with people were usually just about football. Uh, so it got caught, kind of overwhelming for me. Um, process was tough. Decision was tough. Very last minute. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think I learned a lot about myself without even realizing it until like, you know, looking back on it is, uh, it's kind of manifested itself into the person that I am now. So I'm grateful for the decision I made and, you know, everything that I went through to get to here and it opened my eyes to a lot of different things in the world. For sure. What was that like? I know you got to participate in the All-American game. Was that Under Armour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Polynesian Bowl as well. So you got to meet a lot of the guys. And I'm sure you got to meet them too when you were going through those um, the camp circuits and everything. But, you know, with those things like fun, like that's, you know, some downtime in the process. And by then, a lot yeah. of guys have made a decision. You guys just get to chop it up and, and hang out and play football. Yeah, it's dope. I mean, you get, you, get to, uh, you get to be around people that are going through the same situation that you are, you know, regardless of what they think about it. You guys are still in the, you know, the same situation. So it was cool to be surrounded by those type of people. Um, and also, you know, just to meet all these cool guys and across the country, you know, playing ball and stuff. So it was definitely a fun time. And uh, it was like, a, it was, you know, the peak of of uh, high school football and just having fun with it all before, you know, you get down to having fun still, but it's more, you know, business culture and you got to get to work. For sure. For sure. So let's take a switch. You know, let's take a turn and talk about what's been happening in recent news. I know you've been a little bit vocal about it on social media and, and, you know, in protests, but, you know, everything that's been going on with Black Lives Matter and uh, what happened with George Floyd and how that kind of sparked um, a lot of people into action, you know, something, that was something that finally people were able to recognize, like, yo, this isn't right. Yep. And so we're finally going to speak out about it. And you took the opportunity to utilize your platform um, as an athlete and as a black man, as a notable athlete, um, to speak out, speak out on it, and and try to educate, you know, some of the many people that follow you. Um, but what what was important about doing that for you? And I know you were at some of the protests as well, as yeah. well over in Austin. So what what's important about doing that? I think the most important thing is, I think I recognize um, the type of platform that I had, regardless of the size of it, um, and my reach to the specific, like the specific targeted population that. Um, the people that know me or, or know of me and things of that nature, the followings and whatnot. So I think I recognize that. And I, I realized that, you know, these people aren't, you know, our type of people, um, these people don't come from or don't see the, the communities firsthand that I've seen. Um, and I also realized that I think being, um, uh, a mixed individual coming from, you know, a dad who's black and a, and a mom who's, who's white and Hispanic, I've kind of seen both sides of, um, of, of the world really of, of the world that we know to be in our country. And I think that's probably the most, one of the most important takeaways that I've had from, um, just life really is being able to utilize my experiences and, uh, be able to share things that not many people are accustomed to hearing or, or knowing about. <clears throat> For sure, man. And it's been, it's been like, you know, it, it was a lot. And I realized that, you know, as black men, we've been through it and we've seen it before and, and, you know, these things aren't necessarily new, but for a lot of people, it was new. And, yeah. and just so to see, you know, a lot of a lot of peers finally taking action, speaking up on it um, was, you know, it was it, it felt good. 
But yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, there's so much more that clearly needs to be done. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, I find it really important that, you know, people like you, people like me, and anybody who has the ability to, to speak to people um, that respect you um, and respect what you have to say is important because yep. at the end of the day, like, there's not a lot of people, like, in, there's not a lot of people in our situation where, you know, we come from an area and a school in Bowie High School where the majority of people are white, um, yep. but we've grown up with them, so so they're our friends and they respect us, so they respect what we have to say. Um, exactly. So, you know. I enjoyed seeing what you had to say. You definitely put out some really thought-provoking um, information and your own exactly your own uh, personal statements, which were cool. And you know, going along with that, you recently tweeted and posted out too what the Pac-12 is doing. The uh, "We Are United" hashtag. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that is and what it what it came from and what it's you know, what kind of call to action that is, what you guys are trying to accomplish with that. Yeah. Uh, so it's crazy, actually, you know, while the Black Lives Matter protests and everything was really, you know, peaking in the country, I kind of thought I was having these thoughts to myself about um, what, what what steps can we take? What steps can we take? And I was stuck, you know, with no answer. Like, I don't really know what we can do as a country. What can we do, you know, to resolve uh, or help alleviate a lot of these issues that are a result of, you know, oppression, uh, sy- systemic racism, slavery over uh, the past century, centuries or so. Um, so I, I was really thinking to myself, and I think it came to light with this whole movement. Uh, when we got to Stanford, a buddy of mine came came up to me and was talking about, um, you know, just how athletes are being exploited and whatnot, and uh, how how the NCAA is kind of they're kind of they're kind of putting themselves out there and kind of exposing themselves by bringing us back so so quickly. And, uh, obviously, um, I think everybody can agree on this is kind of a thing about money, and so we really just dived into that. We got a group of uh, Pac-12 guys across the, uh, across the conference and just had these discussions over the past eight weeks or so, and uh, everybody got kind of assigned you know certain roles, and we got uh, a lot of you know uh, knowledgeable people on the topics, uh, guys that have been uh, fighting the case for. Uh, compensation rights or uh, stipend rights and all these types of things. Um, and the guys that actually have enacted legislation or have sat in Congress meetings and things like that. So uh, we have a good, a very good council and uh, of guys that, that are, that all have like a particular role to play. And um, I think it's kind of brought to light uh, just, you know, from hearing and, and learning and doing research about um how, for one, you know, a lot of college athletes are being exploited because they generate so much money. And a lot of that is not seen anywhere besides, you know, being reinvested in these programs uh, to make more money for themselves. Um, and unfortunately, like the statistics show that uh, a lot of these, you know, money generating uh, sports, basketball and, and uh, football are predominantly and disproportionately black Americans. And, uh, and usually that people that who come from low income, you know, places where they're not as educated as they should be, other communities aren't invested in it as they should be. Um, and I think that it's important to, to recognize that for one, um, there should be some type, first off, like somebody shouldn't own my name for one. So NIL rights are kind of non-negotiable. Um, and then on two, uh, I mean, the, the, the compensation deal, regardless of how you look at it, I mean, it's, it's a billion dollar industry that. Uh, the workforce isn't able to tap into and has no say in. And unfortunately, it's predominantly black Americans, as I said before. So uh, just, you know, tying the pieces together, um, 
it, it really shows that the real effects that you know having these types of rights um, uh, can can have an impact in certain communities that are struggling from uh, you know systemic things that America has gone through over the past few centuries. So uh, for me, it's a bigger picture than anything. Uh, looking at it from you know as far out as I'm able to see. Um, and taking it one step at a time and kind of exposing the system and uh, being able to get everybody on board and actually understand what's really going on uh, just so that we can be able to take the right approach and that we're able to have our voices heard as, you know, young black men or, yeah, or young young athletes, uh, you know, just to be heard and hopefully to make some significant change. Do you think that this this opportunity kind of sprouted from two things being one being COVID and then the other one being the recent black lives matter protests. Do you think yeah, that's where, no, no doubt. I think, I think there's some, for me, I think it's some divine intervention regardless of, you know, your religion or whatnot. Or, um, or it's kind of got, I, I call it God's timing. I think everything kind of fell in place as, it, as it's supposed to be, because uh, I feel like we've been living in a world that's been so stagnant, you know what I mean? And not, you know, not really changing for any better or for any worse. And, you know, when Corona happened, you know, the world stopped, sports stopped. Um, so people really had nothing to focus on. And when, when, when George Floyd happened, I feel like everybody's was drawn to that because that was something that was going on in the world. So by everybody's attention being drawn to something, you know, that's when change can happen because people can actually see what's going on. Um, and that's when I took the action, you know, to, 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 to voice and, uh, you know, post certain things, like you said, thought-provoking posts. Uh, so people can internalize it and, and, and they're actually receptive to hearing it because this is what's going on in the world. This is what's important right now. So I took that opportunity to to uh, uh, to just show people some things that, you know, can provoke their thoughts and, and ask themselves, why is this the case? Um, uh, so I think it's important. Uh, and it is, like, like I said, God's timing. I think this is the great time that we're able to um, take advantage of and, you know, bring about some change and a lot of... Uh, a lot. I think evil is always going to unveil itself at the end of the day, and uh, that you know the good works uh, of God of people uh, are going to are going to prevail and, and you know fix things. Uh, this is just a matter of timing. And I feel like you know this is the perfect time to to uh, you know start something and move in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this has been you know if anything good has come out of of this pandemic, it's the fact that people have had the time to sit down and, and learn and allow themselves to be exposed to certain things that they hadn't been before. So those, those, there are always silver linings in, in certain events. And this one um, seems very obvious. But what were your initial thoughts before the se- I mean, before this upcoming season? Um, you know, there were like murmurs about what was going on with um, coronavirus and, and the NCAA and other leagues as well. I know for the Ivy League, we ended up canceling the fall season, like all fall sports. Um, <clears throat> but we still have the opportunity potentially to do a spring season. But I know, I want to say a couple of weeks before that decision was really made, that decision was made about, I said like a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, I was pretty optimistic. I was thinking, yeah, like I feel like we might be able to, you know, salvage somewhat of a season. So yeah. I'm interested in knowing, like, what what were you guys thinking? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I really think you have no choice but to be optimistic. They say, you know, if you're ready, if you're if you if you're ready, you never. What is it? If you if you're ready, 
you don't have to get ready or whatever. Whatever I know the what saying you're talking is. about. I don't know. The- yeah, whatever whatever the saying is. So like, I think that's kind of the approach you have to take with it. But also at the same time, I think you have to you have to de uh, depersonalize your situation. Understand like, damn, this is this is a world global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whatever your political belief is on the whole deal, it's it's literally a world pandemic that's going on. And uh, to personalize your situation, I think doesn't really do any help for the world. And uh, I had to, you know, take into account that, well, you know, this, you know, the world isn't about football. The world isn't about uh, college football right now. The world's not about me right now. So though I was optimistic and I wanted this season to happen, I kind of had in the back of my mind, even when the coronavirus first struck, like it's probably not going to happen just because there's so many things that go into it. But um, the, the reason that I really thought it was going to happen, and I still think, you know, the chance of it happen is, is unfortunately because it's, 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 it's kind of motivated on the basis of, you know, money and generating income for, you know, these institutions and uh, these governing bodies and whatnot. So um, I think that's where uh, I kind of had to fight the demons inside of my head. And, and, and it's kind of, it kind of unveiled itself to me that this is kind of what we're, you know, what we're playing sports underneath. Um, so it's interesting to see how it all unfolded for me. Yeah. And so what are you guys allowed to talk about what's going on right now? I know there's a lot of discussion in the news, like literally yeah. right now about the power five conferences, especially the big 10 and the pac 12 who have been a little bit more on the um, progressive and cautious side of, yeah. of this pandemic. And so what do you guys think right now? Like what is, what is the, not necessarily the morale, but the thought process of everybody. You guys are practicing currently, um, but there's all these talks about, you know, is there is there going to be a season? Or yeah. are we going to suit up? Uh, well, I mean, some, like, you take some guys are already having, they've already started ball camp, whereas us, we haven't even been able to throw footballs. So it, it kind of shows me how, you know, how divided one, our country is, one, and two, you know, our beliefs and, um, so over here, it's like you said, a lot more progressive. Like we're very, we're taking you know minimal steps at a time to be cautious of the whole thing. Whereas other places, you know, they're just like whatever. Like we're gonna play ball regardless. And um, so I think like the whole deal that's going on in the news and uh, with college football is we're, we're kind of saying with the conversations that we've realized uh, we realized that not everybody's you know getting tested you know at the right time. Some guys have only been tested once. Um, some guys aren't getting tested at all. And I think that's kind of something that we've, we've stood firm on is that we have to have some type of, um, you know, mandate or some type of like set in stone guideline for us to actually, you know, do this safely. Um, and like, I, I think it's not negotiable that everybody wants to play, but I think that in order, uh, for the narrative to be set that this is something, you know, coronavirus is something that we want to resolve, uh, regardless how we do this season, I feel like it has to be done the right way in order to, uh, you know, to, to, to fix, you know, fix things that are going on. But unfortunately, like at most places, um, I mean, some in SEC, I think Commissioner mentioned that uh, the reason that they're having students come back on campus is so that they can have college football. So I think having these ideals uh, and thinking these types of ways is only going to make the situation that we're in even worse. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of the sad nature of the way that, you know, our country, our country works and a lot of people think. Um but hopefully, you know, uh, it'll, it'll be able to fix something in the end of it all. Yeah, we'll see what comes from everything. I mean, 
it's a whirlwind of information right now, and exactly. nobody really knows anything. And it's it's crazy because like even talking to you and some of the other guys, um, like nobody knows for sure what's going to happen. But what exactly. do you think? What are you thinking about for the future of of college football and athletics, um, and just like the complete landscape of you know player compensation and, and players' rights? Um, I know there's been talks about unionizing um, college athletes and so having a NCAA athletics union for players' mm-hmm. rights, um, as yeah. well as the you know lasting implications of COVID, because that's mm-hmm. another thing is that we still um, are yet to know the full health concerns that, that yeah. the lasting health con- health concerns. So, what yeah. are you thinking about the future landscape of of college football and? athletics as a whole I think uh, I think obviously right now it's it's a historical time you know in the pandemic and then now it's even historical that these players are are coming together and voicing you know uh, and, and voicing their concerns um, and what they want done uh, you know uh, I think that in the future I think that things are definitely going to change I think things are going to change really soon too regardless of how fast they change or what they change into um, I think it's it's going to continue to evolve. Um, I'm I'm curious to see uh, where it goes. Honestly, um, as far as you know, nil name and image and likeness specifically, I think that's something that's pretty non-negotiable. Um, as far as compensation, I feel like there's going to be there has to be some type of plan before it's enacted. You know what I mean? Some type of you know foolproof plan where. Uh, both parties are able to benefit from it, um, and the players, you know, have a voice in uh, where where the money goes, what happens with the money that you know. At the end of the day, they're they're, they're actually making for these for the institutions and for these conferences and whatnot. Um, and then, as far as Corona, I mean, obviously, we we don't know anything really. We've only had it for almost like four months, and then obviously, you know, the cases are getting worse and worse. Um, uh, so. I mean, the cases are growing. I feel like more people are going to get it. We don't know the long-term effects just yet. Um, but I mean, I, that, that is also not to say that you should fear, you know, this 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 thing. At the same time, I think you you, you do have to take you know the necessary precautions and uh, make sure you're doing every like you said. Like we're evolving into a different society where we're actually you know focused on what we can do to make sure we uh, resolve issues and whatnot. But I feel like, you know, rushing into season, you know, without adequate, you know, safety guidelines or whatnot and making sure that we're actually doing this correctly is only going to result in, you know, the worsening of the problem. All right. So I'll ask you one more question and then I'll let you have the last word. Um, You know, this is a pretty important question to a lot of people. So when do you think (laughs) we're going to see another NCAA 14, NCAA 2021? Yep. When's the when's EA gonna drop? We need uh, it. I think I think it can come after the NIL is passed. I mean, I feel like that's the only reason that it's not. You know, I feel like once that's done, then then they'll have no reason to not make the game. So All hopefully right. next year. Hopefully, because <laughs> they know they got money. I mean, when they come out yeah, with that game, like yeah, I'm the make, I mean, the thing the thing about the whole the whole the whole deal is like I think both parties will benefit from, you know, players' rights. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they're afraid of 
I mean, I feel like it's the same thing with, you know, when we talk about racism, like they're afraid that we're going to, you know, take over if we're given, you know, what we deserve or whatever. But that's not the case. I feel like, if anything, it'll benefit both parties, you know. If there's an NCAA game, like the players are going to benefit off their name and likeness, regardless if, you know, if it's off the game or things they do off, outside of football. But also, like, that's, that's drawing more attention to football, to college football. So at the end of the day, like, both parties are going to end up, I think, benefiting from it. So I'm excited to see, but yeah, I think I think next I, I say next year I say next year it comes out. That's my guess. I rock with that. I hope it is next year. <laughs> I really hope it's next year. Um, yeah, once, I feel like once I'm out of college, year. I'm not gonna have too much time to play video games, but we'll see. Yeah, no, no you know we, we won't. But I think I could put I'll put I can put money on it for sure that it comes out next year. That's a bet. Anyways, man, I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you being on the show today. Um, thank you for you know talking about all this stuff and really. Uh, looking forward to see what you continue to do and um you know monitoring the situation and see what happens with this season but wish you nothing but the best um look forward to catching up with you when you're back in austin but once again man appreciate you being on the show so thank you no doubt thank you josh this this is a production production